Hey guys, I hope everyone's doing well. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. You guys, I am so excited about this episode. Like I really, really think you guys are going to absolutely love this because it's probably, it isn't probably, it is my favorite episode that I've recorded so far on my podcast. It's just such a, we just had such a unique conversation, I, I would say. And it was just very different than the other podcasts as I've done so far. And I just felt I don't know. It just flowed so well. Everything about it was just like so amazing. So I'm so excited for you guys to listen to it. And I want to know your thoughts. Um, so for those of you who don't know me, I'm Abby. I'm the podcast host of I'm Anita Bigger Glass. And we're all about just having real, authentic, and rela- relatable uh, conversations that every woman can relate to. So I've been having these conversations with my girlfriends for probably this past year. And I was like, you know what? everyone can like other women can totally relate to this. And like, I feel like we don't talk about this enough. So that's kind of why I wanted to start this whole podcast and just, you know, you do you boo and get your self-reflection and your self journey on and figure out what you want in life. So today I'm super excited because I have my friend Kenya on. She was also my guest for my last podcast episode. So if you haven't listened to that one, definitely check it out because you get to see her amazing personality and just she's just such a bright light and has an amazing personality. Like you guys are going to love her. Um, So Kenya is the Director of Diversity and Inclusion at uh, Kendo brands. So, you know, she works for Fenty Beauty, Marc Jacobs, KVD Beauty, Total Boss. And, you know, I figured with everything that's been going on, and then also I've, you know, the past year or two joined the workforce after, you know, finishing school, I wanted to know how white women can, you know, really step up and support women of color in the workforce. So we go all up in that, you know, and she talks about, you know, just she opens my eyes, honestly, to things that I didn't even realize. And, you know, I consider myself someone who, you know, is very conscious, but I was like, oh my God, I didn't even think of that to, you know, what women of color have to go through the workforce. So it's a great episode and I definitely learned so much and it was such a rewarding experience to be able to just talk to her about it. And we also go into, you know, how you can use your privilege for good and over, you know, a bunch of other topics. And it's just a really fascinating conversation. And to hear her point of view is so great. So I hope you guys enjoy. I'm doing this new thing where I answer one or two of your juicy questions that you left for me on Instagram before we get into our podcast. These are like nothing's off limits. You can ask me anything and they're just super fun. Um, And if I don't answer your question on this episode, I'll probably answer it in the next episode. So one of my followers um, asked me best and worst date ever. So I haven't really had a best date ever. They've all been just bad, um, which is sad, but that's the reality. They've all kind of sucked. There was one date I went on pre-COVID. Oh my God, it was so awful. It was really bad. So this was like a rookie mistake with online dating. Um, I, you know, he sounded good. Like we were texting, you know, his pictures looked good. Um, And I decided, I was like, okay, let's grab dinner. And I had never met him before big mistake, huge. Don't ever grab dinner with someone you've never met before. Grab a drink or coffee because if it sucks, you have to stay the whole dinner. So basically I meet him, looks nothing like his profile picture, nothing like his profile picture. I was like, oh my God. I knew from right then and there from the second, it was not going to work out, but literally I'm stuck in a hour and a half, two hour dinner with this man. And, you know, he had an accent, which is totally fine, but it was a very heavy accent. And like, there was just a little bit like, 
language barrier issues kind of thing. Like I think he he was he didn't know what like egg yolks were, so he called it egg yellows. Like I don't, I mean I don't even know how we got on the topic of eggs, but we did. And I was like egg yellows, like what? Um, and it was just like weird things like that. Anyway, we get to like. He, he drops me off into the car. He pays for the meal, which is nice. So I got a free meal. Drops me off at the car. And uh, he goes in for the kiss. His He goes in. His mouth is wide open. Wide open. And my lips are like closed because I'm like, mm, I don't really want to kiss you. He like – and it's just slobber all over my face. And I'm like, uh, okay, bye. I hop in my car and I leave. That was the worst date ever. That, that was the worst. Yeah. Um, so there you go. There you have it. That was the worst date. And I hope I never experienced anything like that. And note to self, if you're going on a blind date, definitely do drinks because you can always do dinner after if it's going good. But if it's bad, you drink and leave. <laughs> All right. Now let's get into the podcast. Hey guys. All right. So I'm back with Kenya. We're doing part two of our episode and I'm really excited about this because we literally basically after we stopped recording our first one, like we had another <laughs> podcast episode that we didn't record. And I was like, wait, maybe I should record this because it's so good. But so we're going to start off talking about something super important. So obviously the everything that's happened with the pandemic and what's happened in 2020 and what's happening right now. A lot of, you know, white people, their eyes have been opened to a lot of like injustices. And it's like, I know black people are probably like, you're just showing up to the party now. <laughs> Welcome to the barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, better late than never, but it's like, all right, at least, you know, now yeah. you're starting to see some stuff. But, you know, which, you know, it's it's been good that people are now becoming more aware, even though it's like, hello, it's been happening for hundreds of years, people. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I feel like we could probably have a hundred episodes talking about all the different types of racism and, yeah. and systemic racism, and we'd probably just barely touch the surface. Absolutely. Um, but at least what I think is so important is like the financial aspect and for anyone, but specifically for people who have been marginalized is to have financial freedom and power. So I want to know that I'm out of school and I'm starting the workforce and I've had conversations with my other white friends. It's like, how can we best support like women of color in the workforce? And because I like you guys have to go through so much that like things that wouldn't even cross my mind as like, right, like not wearing your hair natural because mm -hmm. of whatever stigmas and things where it's like mm -hmm. me, it's like, that's, that's, mm -hmm. I've never been an issue for me, you mm -hmm. know? So I'm like, wait, what are some ways maybe you can just talk about things that you've had to go through and ways that white women can like support women of color? Because, you know, it's that fine line between we want to support you, but it's not like we're not saving you. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, and I like that you bring up this. I think, number one, it'll be kind of important to know a little bit about my background. So yeah. I do diversity, inclusion, and equity work uh, within the company that I work for. And um, I think it's really important as we look at this conversation, you know, to understand the word privilege, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's such a trigger word for so many people. They're like, I grew up and, you know, I was the one person in my family to graduate in it. We all have privileges, mm -hmm. right? I have privilege being a person that knows how to do my makeup. I have privilege when I am, you know, being a person that got to finish school and focus on mm -hmm. that, right? We all have different privileges. And I think as we're in this day and age where everyone has the information at their fingertips, um, it really it starts with curiosity. Mm -hmm. So I would say for anyone, you, you're, you yourself included, 
is to approach every situation with curiosity. And the fact that you're asking me about my experiences is a start, Mm -hmm. is a step in the right direction. Because I think during this time, I think a lot of people have seen what happened to George Floyd. They've seen what happened to Dante Wright. They've seen all these things happening happening online, right? Mm -hmm. So now they feel bad and they just want to fix it. And I think before we can fix something, it starts with Mm self-reflection and it also starts with curiosity, right? Because when you come in and just want to change something, this has been something, the reason why they call it systemic, it's Mm -hmm. a part of a system. It's a part of the system that we run and live our lives on. And it's not just in the US, it's all around the world, right? We've all been colonized, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So for me, I guess when I, when I, when you ask me that question, I think of so many things. And I think the first thing is curiosity. And the reason why I say curiosity is because when you assume, you can't understand, right? Yeah. And I think it is understanding that there's layers to that person. So I think a lot of people that have now become woke, if you will, or yeah. been aware of these things, they want to come in and they want to support and help. And they're either met with someone that doesn't want to talk about things doesn't want their help mm-hmm. or um, doesn't give them the the type of experience, right. if you will, I'm doing air quotes, yeah. um, that they're looking for. And that reason is because systemically we don't trust you, right? Totally. And it's, so it's like anything. I almost think of it like if you adopted a puppy or a child or someone that's went through trauma, you have to gain that trust. Mm-hmm. And the only way you gain that trust is through showing up. Right. And through curiosity, through asking questions, not all BIPOC people are the same. Right. And everyone's experience is different and unique to them. So I think it's one being curious and understanding everyone's experiences are going to be different. I think it's two using your privilege to draw empathy for the BIPOC community, right? I think it's what you're doing right now by giving the platform. I think specifically for people that are already in the corporate offices, if you are in a meeting and there is not one woman, man, or you know whatever, the, however they express themselves and their identity mm-hmm. that is different than everyone in that room, that is your responsibility to call someone else into that room. Yeah, totally. No, I totally feel that. And I'm glad you you mentioned that, you know, not every BIPOC person is the same. And like, you know, you can't, I think a lot of times white people are like, oh, like I'm woke now, right? So it's <laughs> like, here, I'm going to help you. And then there are people like, like, what? That's not like sincere. Or like, if you, you know, I, I've had mo- like many interactions with black people and s- some people are like super nice. And then I totally get the more like yeah. reserved back vibe. And I like totally respect that because I like I get it, you know, it's like and I'm just like, OK, like I'm just going to, you know, do like be who I am yeah. and nice. And um, and I think sometimes white people, if maybe if they haven't had a lot of interactions with, you know, people who aren't don't look like them, they're like, oh, they're like cold. Right. Where it's like you just got to be like. No, maybe it's just because like they don't trust you, you know? Yeah. I like that you bring that up because the real the real the reality is we both are exhibiting exclusive behaviors, right? Mm-hmm. But one of us has power and one of us doesn't. Yeah. So it does take a risk. Each individual has to take the risk to trust or be there. But one thing I will say is whatever you're about, if you're a basketball player, no one has to tell you to show up 
with your basketball. No one has to tell you to show up ready for practice or to attend extra, you know, conferences or to be looking at the different games Mm -hmm. or to be reading about how you can become better at your game. So my thing is um, with my friends, with my allies, with my fellow white people, the white people in my family, show up consistently. If you are an accomplice, if you want to support black people or BIPOC community, Show up consistently. No one will have to tell you to ask questions. No one will have to tell you to allow others to share their experiences. Mm -hmm. No one will have to tell you to do something, right? So I think showing up often and consistently, no matter what. I used to work in the school system. And we would have a lot of kids that were latchkey kids. Mm -hmm. And they didn't always perform the way we wanted them to perform. But when I signed up to work for that school system, I decided and made a commitment that I was going to be there for those kids as much as they needed me to be. Mm -hmm. And however, they accepted me. But regardless if they accepted my support or not, Kenya was going to show up every single day. Yeah. You know, I love that. And I think so. I I love watching CNN. It's my favorite thing. And like, (laughs) and Don Lemon, he always says, it's like, I love him. He's like, Mm -hmm. find a friend who doesn't look like you, you know? And I think that's so key to like learning about the different, different cultures. And I think going back to like the workplace, what you said about, you know, I like as a white woman, I have this privilege where I don't have to jump through many of the hoops that black women or, you know, the doors are open for me where like for black women, it's their clothes, you know? And it's like, if like you said, if I'm in a room and maybe I have a black coworker and I'm in a meeting and they're talking about this and that, but she's not in the meeting, I could be like, well, let me invite, you Mm -hmm. know, her in or whatever and just do things like that or, or pay respect where respect is due if, you know, if, or give credit where credit is due if, you know, and things like that. But like what if for for specifically corporate, what type of things could we do better? I think there's a couple of things. I think number one, being an accomplice and a real ally, it Mm -hmm. involves action Mm -hmm. and involves advocacy. So it will make you uncomfortable, number one. And I think it's be comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But also number two, it's not about you. You have to decenter yourself. So that might mean it takes a little longer to hire that person because you're going to protect that spot to ensure that you've went through all the hires and given everybody the the proper chance or support versus Mm -hmm. saying, you know what, my, um, you know, my neighbor's daughter, Susie, who used to work at SoulCycle, who's this and that, who I know, I'm just going to bring her in. You know, maybe it's an opportunity to take a chance on someone that doesn't have the same pedigree, right? So I think it means patience. Mm -hmm. Um, I think even more tangible, it's organic mentorship and sponsorship. So when Don Lemon's saying, make a friend that doesn't look like you, make a friend that's in a different program, a different department, a different class, Mm -hmm. um, a different place than you are in that is a part of the BIPOC community. And don't tokenize them authentically get to know them. And when you're in those rooms and you're in those meetings, say their name, offer Mm -hmm. them up and share that they have these skill sets. Because as you're creating these organic and natural friendships, you're creating mentorship, you're creating sponsorship, you're creating advocacy. Because the reality is for many people of color is that they don't have the same amount of people um, in, you know, VP level, mm-hmm. director level positions that can say their names. Yeah. 
No, totally. And I, you know, we back from the previous episode, you love to post like those, you know, inspiration, those real quotes, like the real shit. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I think early on what you posted, this was like one that's always stuck with me is like, um, you know, you said, like, if you're a coworker, don't just like go up to a black person and be like, oh, like, I, I feel for you. Be like, okay, do some action. Like mm-hmm. when you said like black women don't need or people don't need you to say like, oh, we feel for you. Like we need you to show up like and make actions and that was really st- stood out with me or I don't know it could have been I don't know it could have been someone else that I follow I I don't remember who who sparked mm-hmm, that thing mm-hmm. but basically actually it might have been another guy that I follow I don't know but basically was saying you know we don't need you to just like if some if you see like you know systemic racism happening in the workplace we need you to like white people to act then and there. We don't yes. need you afterwards to go up and be like, oh, hey, Kenya, like, I'm so sorry that happened. That sucks. Oh, my you God. Know? We need Abby. you to like, yes. right then and there be like, hold up, you know? Absolutely. No, I love that you say that. Like, I don't need you to come be like, girl, I just saw you get microaggressed against. That sucked. No, I don't need that. <laughs> you know, and I probably don't want to have that moment with you, yeah. to be honest. But I love what you said about the action. And that's exactly what we want. Um, a lot of times it's for me when someone incorrectly says, calls me the name of some the other black person mm. in the room. It's when the other person goes, her name's Kenya. Yeah. That, that action, big deal. Or, hey, Kenya, I'd like to hear what you think about this. Mm-hmm. Making space to hear my voice, monumental. Yeah. Or how about, you know that there's a lot going on, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of these, a lot of brands, a lot of companies Wow, we stand with the black communities. We stand with the Asian community. We stand with the Latinx community. We stand with all these communities. But as soon as I need a, maybe I need a mental health day, or maybe I need some help, instead of you being like, hey, I know a lot's going on today. Let me know what you need. I would love to take some work off your plate. Mm -hmm. That's allyship. I had someone stay up with me overnight trying to work on these a project because they didn't know how to support me, but they knew that they could do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that spoke volumes to me and they stand up for me every single day. And yeah. so when things happen like crisis and pandemics mm-hmm. and, you know, more s- school shootings or, yeah. or people killing black people or people of color or things that they know I connect to, I don't have to think if they're with me mm-hmm. because I already know yeah. that they stand for me. Yeah. That's true. And it, it goes back to our previous episode of talking about how our like love language is like mm-hmm. acts of service and gifts. And it's, it's, and how like I'm saying like it builds trust when you do things for yeah. someone. Because instead of, like you said, with the brands who say, oh, we stand with, you know, black mm-hmm. people in the black community, mm-hmm. but then they don't hire black employees. Well, you know, it's like, well, do you really? Like you're, <laughs> you, you know, actions speak a lot louder than words, you know? So. No, I, I think, yeah, at the end of the day, it's it's action. And I think, too, I'm, I want to know your thoughts on this, is sometimes I feel like white people, they don't, they think if they say something or they do something, they're accidentally going to say the wrong thing and it's going to sound racist when they didn't mean to and it's going to be worse. Like, what would you say to yeah. someone about that? I think anything you didn't grow up doing naturally, you're going to make a mistake at. Mm-hmm. And I think it's all about intention and matching impact. Yeah. It's about pause before you speak, right? Mm-hmm. And think about it. Um, do the research and educate yourself and be clear about your intention. Hey, what I'm going to say, this is the goal of this. This mm-hmm. is what I mean by this. And then say it. And also don't be afraid to make mistakes. The reality is, 
I'm going to make a mistake. Mm -hmm. If I'm your friend, if I'm your loved one, if I'm your family, there's no, there's no relationship Mm -hmm. on this earth that never made a mistake of saying something, Right. but apologize for it, recognize it, educate yourself Mm -hmm. and continue to move. Because if you stay there in silence, you're not helping. Yeah. If you stay there and you just don't say anything, you're not helping. Guess mm-hmm. what? You're actually a part of the problem yeah. because there were many people that didn't agree with black people not not being able to vote. vote. Mm-hmm. There's many people that didn't agree with women being um, land, you know, being taken almost as like a piece of land or a dog or an animal or whatever. Mm-hmm. Many people didn't agree with it, but it was only few people that decided to stand up. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if you're not speaking up, you're part of the problem. Yeah. So to answer your question, allyship, accompliceship, being an advocate is messy, mm-hmm. but it's a commitment. Yeah. So you have to be willing to do the messy work and sometimes get burned or hurt doing it. Yeah. And you're right. It's all about intentions. And like, I think sometimes people get so caught up in the messaging and like how it has to be delivered perfectly, mm-hmm. but it's like, also, too, it's like you shouldn't. I don't, again, okay, now I'm going to be like, I don't know how this keep is going to come keep out. It real, exactly. yeah. But it's like, also, too, it's not, this isn't like some super taboo thing. Mm-mm. You're just helping a person. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't like, okay, I need to like manage this in my head and like figure out the perfect delivery because I don't want to offend a single person and I want to help. It's like, at the end of the day, just. You just, you're just helping a person. So don't overthink it in your head, I think is what sometimes white people do is like, they don't want to, again, they don't want to mm-hmm. be cancel culture, right? Mm-hmm. So they're like, I want to help this person, but I don't want to like overreach or I don't want to like say something stupid mm-hmm. that sounds racist or whatever. So I think for some white people, they're like a little, they're scared they're going to say the wrong thing. But I'm like, you just think about it as you're just helping someone. Don't think mm-hmm. about it as this like, you, you're like the president and you're making a speech. You know what I mean? Well, and I love that you talk about that because I think that's part of decentering yourself, mm-hmm. yeah, right? It's not about you. It's not about you. And it's like, when you asked me to come over here, you didn't think twice, right? Yeah. You didn't think twice about that. So I think it's also important if you're overthinking it, ask yourself why. Yeah. Is it because I don't... Self-reflection. Boom, self-reflection. Maybe it's, I haven't, ever really interacted with black people that much. Hmm. Doing more of it will make you more comfortable, right? Or two, maybe I grew up with some ideals that weren't healthy, or maybe I do have some negative um, thoughts. We all have some racist Mm -hmm. thoughts, to be honest. We've all been colonized. All of us are a part of it. We're all racist in some way. In some form or fashion that that has seeped into us. Mm -hmm. And we also have to be able to recognize it, Mm -hmm. right? And I think it's important to reflect on why do I feel uncomfortable? Like specifically in the workplace, if you feel uncomfortable talking about these things, you need to ask yourself why. If you Mm -hmm. feel uncomfortable having a check-in with your team, well, why aren't you comfortable having a Mm check-in? This should be something you're doing regularly. If you really think about being Mm anti-racist, these are basic things that we teach to children. Be patient, be Mm -hmm. kind, be understanding, do unto others as you would have them mm-hmm. do unto you. These are the golden rules, right? Yeah. But we've somehow forgot that through adulthood. Mm-hmm. So it's really going back to those basics. And like, I, you know, once again, decenter yourself. I think you like you, what you said, Abby, mm-hmm. I want to help this person. I want to show them I support them. How would you do that to you, the person you were closest to? Yeah. 
Totally. And you can't do that unless you get to know people. Mm-hmm. Totally. And could you like maybe talk about some, just to bring awareness, some of the the issues and the you know, mm-hmm. obstacles that black women have to face in the workplace that might not be super obvious to white women because we don't have to, yeah. to deal with them. I'm actually glad that you asked me this question. And I think it's something that, um, you know, being very honest, you know, I've always been a hustler. I've always mm-hmm. been on my grind. So there's certain things you compartmentalize to get what you want, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, while I cannot speak for all black women or right. all people of color, you know, I don't believe that any of us no. are a monolith. Um, one thing that I can talk and speak to um, are certain struggles that I've seen happen within my community and my friends, right? Um, one thing is, it goes back to not having the same amount of people doing things, right? Mm-hmm. So while this isn't true for all black people, I know for me and my community, I'm the first one that's in the corporate office. Majority of my family is either in education, um, some sort of entrepreneurship, but I'm the first person in a corporate office. Mm-hmm. So I don't have my dad or my mom or my sister or my brothers that have experienced that. So a lot of times we're navigating corporate culture on our own, mm-hmm. right? And then also when I come into an office and I'm the only one of color or I'm the only one that looks the way I do, I'm constantly, you know how people, the white people now are thinking about how they say it, if it's mm-hmm. framed in the right thing. I've been thinking like that my whole life. Wow. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, be super front. I didn't even like think of that. You have been because you're right. White people are like, oh, I don't want to say the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. But you've been doing the whole time because God forbid, if you did say the wrong thing, Mm -hmm. you have so much more to lose. Whereas I'm a white when I say the wrong thing, like "Mm, Abby, you said the wrong thing. I'm like, oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Move on. Whereas for you, it's like so much more detrimental. Absolutely. So imagine thinking like that when you get a job. Yeah. And so there's this emotional tax that I don't even realize sometimes. If I could draw a boundary, will they think I'm aggressive? Will they think I'm not for the company, right? If I say too much and let them know how I feel, will they think I'm too aggressive, right? So I'm constantly overthinking so I can make that right step because I don't have a cousin or not, or certain privileges in these different other places that I can lean on to get me up there. So I think that's one thing. It's like the emotional tax, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I think the other thing is when it's, it's interesting. So when you go out for drinks with a coworker, you're not overthinking like, oh, if I'm with this other white coworker, they might think we're grouping up together. Mm-hmm. I remember talking to some of my friends and they wanted to do like, oh, like a brown girls meet up or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, ooh, that may not give the right message. They thought mm-hmm. twice about yeah. grouping together because they didn't want it to seem as if the black people were grouping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't and know like, any of my white coworkers that have to think that. Yeah. Yeah. I've never had to think like that. Yeah. That's crazy. But there's the perception, right? right. Because it's something like, oh, if they're grouping together, they're mm-hmm. going to like they're going to challenge the power of the white mm-hmm. people in the company. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another thing is when we deal with crisis, I don't have the power of rest. I don't have the power to not think about the politics and the things that are happening in this world. Yeah. I don't yeah. have the pri- I don't have the privilege, excuse me, not the power. I don't have the privilege not to think mm-hmm. of those things. 
those things affect me, right? Yeah. And I think that while many of us compartmentalize and we do what we need to do, I think it's interesting to say, oh, take this time off. Yeah. Well, there's six other, there's, there's many other women that look and speak just like the people that are in charge or in power. Mm-hmm. There is one of me. I also have to realize however Kenya shows up today is how they may group and think of any other black women that comes into this role. Yeah. Because I also have to realize I have a responsibility to open yeah. doors. And while I know many people may be able to relate to that, I constantly have to understand that the way I show up as a black woman either is going to make my, my, my community of black people think I'm for them or against them. So if I'm too mm-hmm. selfish and only go for what's mine, mm-hmm. I might be turning my back on my community. If I do too much for them and thus, you know, the non-BIPOC people are not down with it, I may be losing an opportunity. Yeah. If I don't show up just right, if I can show up just right, yeah. I can further myself and then also hopefully bring some people through the door. Yeah, that's so true because it's like if you're if you're a black woman and you're entering a corporate, you know, company that's mainly mm-hmm. white and they're let's say they're like they're like, "Oh, let's let's give the the black mm-hmm. woman a chance, you know, doing their <laughs> good deed, whatever, you know, <laughs> yeah. not from doing what's ethically right, but and you have that, I didn't even think you have that so much pressure to be like, I need to make a good impression. So like, maybe they'll bring more black mm-hmm. women on. Yeah. Whereas like, if you're not, they're going to be like, oh, we don't, we shouldn't hire black women. Well, and it, and I think it's just interesting. I remember we did, and I'm sure a lot of, and this is not just for black people, but this is also for people of color. I remember we hired on a practitioner that was of Asian American descent and some people related to her, some people didn't. And it was this huge thing of like, you know, and it was like, we couldn't just be like, wow, we hired mm-hmm. a woman of color to do this. Yeah. Because it wasn't at this certain bar, we felt some type of way. Mm-hmm. But if that was any other person, would we have that same degree of critique? No. I don't yeah. know, right? Yeah. And so it's 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 that too. It's also... I find and I find this across many BIPOC communities, and I would say a lot like one of the, not the last thing is also just words. Like um, I have to know. I, I intentionally, when I got in this role, mm-hmm. decided I wasn't going to speak perfect English mm-hmm. because a part of my culture is the way I speak. Matter of fact, what sells a lot of my brands is the way I speak culturally, yeah. and I had to get it out of my head that the way I spoke was wrong or incorrect. And I intentionally did that. And I know by me doing that, it um, stirs controversy because there's the old generation that's like, show up just right, Kenya. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I knew that my be- me intentionally doing that, that I would let other people know that you could be you and still do this work well. Yeah. And, you know, so I intentionally speak the way I speak to um to invite all of who I am, to invite all of my identity. But also, speaking of words, I have to hear a lot of terms that are are racist or rooted in white supremacy mm-hmm. or in um, all of these things. And I, and, and I think it's something people don't realize. Like, I'm going to go through my workday, and it is just a regular eight-hour workday, and I'm probably going to hear about 100 different things 
that are offensive. And I'm probably going to speak out about them. Not even once. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. I know. It's it's crazy. It's And I thank you for like sharing all these things because to be honest, you, you've even opened my eyes to some things that I was like, I didn't even think of that. Mm-hmm. You know, you think of the more, the things you can like, you can actually see, like I said about like with the hair or like mm-hmm. the dress or like mispronouncing a name, but it's like the, the little things of like that pressure that you have to have mm-hmm. to be a certain way. Or like you said, your whole life you've been you've been, okay, make sure I say this thing mm-hmm. right. Whereas like, and it's like white people, they're just starting to be like, oh, I don't want to say the wrong thing to offend people, but you've been doing that doing your whole, whole life. life. Yeah, It's like, oh my God, I didn't even, you know, mm-hmm. think of that. Um, and then I want to talk a little bit about like what we've been, um, what we discussed when we weren't doing this mm-hmm. is just how like black women have been so over-sexualized yeah. the whole life. And and this too, because I also I want to talk about a few things. Like I want to talk about what your thoughts are on everybody trying to get a piece of black culture, you know? And wow. Like, <laughs> and I think I think there's a, a fine. I'm interested what your the difference between cultural appropriation is to you, and what about appreciation? And I feel like truly the black community has really been like so open with allowing other people who aren't black to kind of absolutely to join in in a certain way, even though we haven't had to experience anything of what you've mm-hmm. had to gone through. But going back to like the whole over sexualize the women and like what you said, mm-hmm. um, what we talked about is it, it's for me, like it's the whole the history thing. Like I said, I'm a history yeah. junkie. It starts way back. So shout out to Robin Nelson, hey. my anthropology teacher, senior year of Santa Clara. Um, She's super dope. She is a black woman and she's an anthropologist and she's like probably like one out of like four or five, I think that she said, who's anthropology because like you said, they're all white men. Yeah. And just learning literally from like day one of like when it started of like the white European men taking a woman from Africa yeah. and like putting her in a cage completely naked and showing her off to mm-hmm. like – everyone be like look at this like 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 at a zoo and like it's from that on like black women have had to go through so many yeah so much thing and you you're talking about your balance of like you want to be liberated and be like Mm -hmm. feel sexy but at the same Mm -hmm. time you're like well i can't do too much because Mm -hmm. it's gonna go back to the Mm -hmm. whole history of that you know yeah no um i appreciate you bringing this up i feel like it's i'm constantly battling right I'm battling between um, growing out of a young age, having a little butt or whatever, and, you know, mom and aunties and sisters being like, hey, you got to cover up. Don't be too fast. Don't do this. Mm-hmm. And that stems from protection because although we have a great rich history, we also have a history that's full of pain and full of us as women and women of color specifically being used as sexual objects. Mm-hmm. And- and um, also the reality of without being without protection because yeah. the men were ripped from our homes. Mm-hmm. So them knowing we were out without protection mean that meant that white men and women could do as they pleased with us. And there's certain things you just can't hide, right? Yeah. Um, so there's that aspect of it, right? And then there's the other aspect of exploring who you are, Right. And exploring your sexuality and your 
yourself and 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 I would constantly um you know I would see my 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 friends I did cheerleading and uh you know you know Asian white what have you walking around these little shorts and just in front of their dads and cousins or whatever. And I'd be like, I could never do that or get away with that. No. Yeah. And I remember at an early age, people always thought I was older than what I was or would talk to me in a way. They would talk to my friend Sheena very different than they would talk to me. And it really was like this adultification Mm -hmm. that the expectation of Kenya at six and four and five was so much more than what they expected of everyone else and was very interesting in me. And I think specifically with sexuality, I I feel like it was a privilege to experience, to be able to experience and feel liberated and do those things. Mm -hmm. And while it constantly was in my head, where even when I got to the place of like comfortable with who I was, I want to wear this sexy outfit and I want to do those things. But at the same time, at one point, like you said earlier, we were looked at as animals, looked at like animals in a zoo. Mm-hmm. And so while I'm enjoying Cardi B and, you know, the Nicki Minaj's and I, I love this and the make the stallions and I'm like singing on his every word. I also remember at one point it wasn't a choice that we were made to be objects. And so there's, I find myself, you know, it, it was a journey for me to come to a point of like, being able to accept all of myself, right? Mm-hmm. And being able to know that now I have a choice, but also at the same time, I'm always balancing how much, how how can I bring my culture forward? And also thinking about, am I bringing them back further when I do certain things? Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I know. I was thinking when you're saying that, how at a young age, right, mm-hmm. like men would talk to you differently than they would their friends. And I'm just like, I'm just like, you know, I have bigger boobs. Yeah. I don't have a big butt, you know, white girl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, I can't, yeah. I can't wear a tank top or a crop top uh-huh. or a bun down shirt because it won't like cover. So, but so why does that automatically mean I'm being slutty? If wow. I want to wear like a, a crop top just but with boobs, whereas like my friend mm-hmm. who doesn't, who's mm-hmm. flat chested, that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like, where where did this come from just because I have curves? Oh, I'm automatically slutty, mm-hmm. you know? And it's mixed messages. I yeah. feel like we get these messages of, you know, own this and do this. But then again, if you do that, not only is it from like, you know, unfortunately, we reinforce, us as women, mm-hmm. and even us as people of color, we reinforce the narrative that men or whoever has created for us. Right. So while, you know, I'm like, go ahead, Abby, do your thing. There also is that group of women that are like, damn, she's doing too much. Women aren't supporting women. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally get that. Like, yeah, there's some women who are like, you do that, you do boo, like whatever. And then there's some other women who are like, she's like slutty or like, Mm -hmm. or, or like, but I really think it stems from intimidation. Boom. But you know what? I think it goes deeper than that. I think... When if I have an imprisoned or colonized mind state, mm-hmm. without knowing it, I'm going to. If someone like is out, it's, it's hold on. They're woke, or they took the red or the green pill, mm-hmm. or like they're not in the second place no more. You know what I mean? I'm looking at them as like something's wrong with you. It was like back in the day, there would be slaves that would help catch other slaves. Yeah. So when you have an enslaved mentality, if I grow up thinking like, oh, if you do this, this means this, 
I'm looking at Abby and I'm hating on Abby because no one has woke, awakened me yet. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And so in my mind, I can't accept that Abby can just really want to love herself today. And maybe Abby, this is the first time Abby's been able to wear a shirt like this and not think 7,000 times about how it looks and just say, you know what? I want to do this for me. And the funny thing is when we do research about rape and molestation Mm -hmm. and all those different things that happen to a lot of women, Mm -hmm. majority of that has to do nothing with what the person's wearing. No, it's, it's their, it's the power. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. Trust me. I love law and order SVU. And that's the one thing Olivia Benson, she says, it's like rape is not about necessarily sexuality thing. It's about the power. Yeah. No, I totally feel that. And going back to the thing about, you know, how other people or women, you know, Mm -hmm. are judging other women and you say how, you know, they're not awakened I totally believe that and it goes back to like our previous episode with about the self journey yeah and and it's it's like I I've had you know I'm on my self journey and I'm in a really great place right now but I know some people who who are who were nice to my face but they're talking shit behind my back absolutely and they don't know that I know but I know (laughs) you know so call them out Abby yeah, call so, them out on the show no I'm joking they'll, so they'll be like they'll literally be like do a heart emoji or be like oh my god so hot on my Instagram but I know like they're talking shit yeah. about me I'm like but you know at first I, I used to be like hella pissed like screw them like you know curse them out whatever but now I'm like no they just like have not they're on a different part of their self journey right now they yes. are not they're still growing and they're not there yet and Go they ahead, haven't Abby. had that moment of like oh my God, like I was doing this. I was talking shit about Abby because really I was insecure about X, Y, and Z, you know? And that took me a while. But once I figured that out, it was like, it wasn't me. I don't have any negative feelings to the people who are are talking shit about me because I know it's not stemming from me. It's stemming from them. Absolutely. You know? And that's like a, a, when you figure figure that shit out, it's like, oh, it's just a, you know, release. Like you just got to worry about yourself. Like, you know? It's chains broken. And I love that you Mm -hmm. say that because I think it's cool looking at you because I think when people may see you, if I can just speak real for a second here, I think people may see like, oh, this is blonde girl that like grew up in San Mateo, this, this, and that. Privilege. Privilege, all these different things. But as, you know, I've gotten to know you, it's cool because you're so open. And I see this want to fulfill your purpose, to be driven, Mm -hmm. to support others, to dig deeper, to, and you know, I think, you know, because you're very driven and I think you, you may not know exactly what you know, Mm -hmm. but you know that you want more and you know you want to do better. That's allowing you to unlock so much, so much earlier. And I think once again, going back to that enslaved mentality, if I'm someone following Abby, I think there's that surface level I'm following because Abby looks amazing. Abby knows how to do this. She knows how to do that, right? And, but I'm also not seeing everything she's unlocking. I'm not seeing all the work she's doing. But I'm, um, but I'm noticing because of the work she's doing, it's pre- 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 uh, presenting good fruit, right? Because you're doing all this toiling, yeah. you're doing your self journey mm-hmm. and all this. But I'm not seeing all that work. So yeah. all I see is the fruit. Mm-hmm. Of what you've been harvesting, yeah. right? And so for me, there and and, and for, I'm saying me, but I'm saying your audience, right. your fan base, or your followers. There's a lot of people that think they're going to fall into, or like that they can just fall into, you know, that lifestyle yeah. or that romance or that whatever it is. 
And when they don't fall into it, they begin to become bitter with people that have done the work for it. Yeah. Or think like, oh, it's just handed to Mm -hmm. them. Because, oh, it's not working for me. So they Mm -hmm. must have just handed. And I I really appreciate you saying that. Um, It means a lot. And I think one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast was because I wanted people to see more of a different side of me, whereas like my Instagram is very very like superficial, right? It's the the fashion, the beauty, the lifestyle, the restaurants, that kind of thing. But it's not like me having those real conversations with my friends all the time. And like Mm -hmm. my friends who really know me, they know I'm a lot more deeper than that. So that's kind of why I wanted to do this podcast to have like real conversation. So I appreciate you saying that. That definitely means a lot. Um, So I want to go back to now Everybody mm-hmm. loves black culture. Everybody Ooh, wants a piece of it. Hum, you know, like, and like, including myself, I love hip hop and R&B. That's mm-hmm. all I listen to. I love sneaker culture, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, it's the, it's this down to the small things, whether how you, you know, your acrylics or you wear big hoops, right? Mm-hmm. That was all started by like black women and Latina women. And everybody is like jumping on board with that now. But where do you see like the line between okay, it's cool you like black culture versus as like, whoa, you're taking it a little too far. Yeah, I think that, I think there's a couple pieces to it. I think that the way in which we honor um, specifically, um, you know, certain religious things, right? I wouldn't go into a mosque and not wearing a certain garb, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, I would make, I want to want to make sure, number one, I understood what I was doing. I understood the customs. I understood the culture. I I understood what would be um, deemed acceptable and not. Mm -hmm. And so I think it starts with that. Before you, and this is the difference to to me, I think the starting point of whether you're doing appropriation or appreciation. Mm -hmm. If you're appreciating something, you're going to learn about it. Yeah. You're not just going to put it on like it's in a costume. Right. Yeah. If you are appreciating something, you're going to understand, oh, this Gucci look and Dapper Dan, and you're going to understand like fashion and the reason why we were putting Gucci stuff on Mm -hmm. sneakers or wearing, you know, fake this or that Mm -hmm. was because we couldn't afford it. Yeah. Right. So we had to always create our own. So you're always Mm -hmm. going to, you're going to learn first, right? right? You're going to learn because you want to understand and you want to have that respect. I think it's like even learning a new language, right? Mm -hmm. Or before you, you know, if you're going, um, you know, they always say when you go to another culture, another country, learn about the culture. Mm -hmm. Don't just go to the touristy spots, right? right? Um, And I think it's about bringing honor and respect to it. So with me, appreciation starts with wanting to understand. And as you're growing in your knowledge, you will under you you'll start to come into that community not as someone that is a spectator mm-hmm. but as someone um that is a a sponsor of it right mm-hmm. yeah and and i think I, I think that's a big point like for instance um when you come into black culture i think there y- there's certain conversations as you're welcomed in you can become a part of but also understand that there's there's, there's micro communities of black yeah. culture everywhere. So a part of learning and understanding and respecting that culture means just because you're great with Kenya and you have this great br- group of black community in the Bay Area doesn't mean 
that and when you go to Atlanta, they're going to understand that. Totally. So you're once again going to have to build that bridge. Mm-hmm. You're going to once again understand that black community there mm-hmm. and respect and show that respect to then be brought into that culture. So going to, you know, it at black culture as a trend, um, I think it's a part of the resistance. I think even with making sneakers, at one point, no one white wanted to wear sneakers. Yeah, it's so true. It wasn't if you was wearing Ralph Polo, you know, your boat shoes. <laughs> oh my God. You know what I mean? Like there wasn't, that Don't wasn't Don't remind trendy. me about boat shoes. I'll never date a man. Okay. <laughs> well, but you know, we took what we had and made it work. Mm-hmm. And um, there's always that when you see someone enjoying that little bit that they got. Well, we want some. Mm -hmm. And I'm per person that I love black culture being spread. I love black history being spread. And I think that's the key to it. Understand the the history. Mm -hmm. Respect it. I think there are certain things, just like there's certain, um, I have some friends from that are of Tongan descent. There are certain customs I will never be able to be a play a part of. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I'm not Tongan. Yeah. And while I love it and I enjoy it and I've read about it and I've been able to even see some of it and experience some of it, there's a part of those customs, me not having that blood won't allow me to be a part of. And that's okay. I'm not sad about that. Yeah. Because I support and I sponsor that community and that culture. Mm-hmm. And with being a, an, a black American or an African American, which I don't really love the term of, um, I think it's important for people to understand we don't have some of those customs that are detailed out because mm-hmm. of the, you know, the diaspora, especially yeah. through slavery. Yeah. So we literally were taken. Exactly. So I think for African-Americans specifically, this is very different from black people that are in Africa and our other right. indigenous countries. Um, you know, it's very different for us. So it's, that's why I go that learning and that respect is so key. And I think, when it becomes appreciation versus appropriation, I think it's about tagging. I think if you're using something that's inspired by someone else, tag them if it's in a mm-hmm. post. I think, it, you know, not to bring up Michael Jackson, but um, I believe he did a video and he had, it was like he had people of Thai descent dancing, people of Indian descent dancing, um, people from Russia dancing. Mm-hmm. He didn't need to dress up in their garb. Mm-hmm. Because he wasn't trying to become them. Yeah. He pre- allowed them to yeah. do their dances. I think he had indigenous Native Americans even in there. Yeah. He allowed them to do their dances in the way that it should have been done. And he danced next to them and allowed them to have front and center. To me, that is appreciating. He didn't dress in their mm-hmm. outfits. He didn't make a costume. He didn't make a mockery of it. He brought the best of the best to the forefront, allowed them to do it, allowed them to show us what it was about and mm-hmm. respected them by dancing near, right next to them. Yeah. And so think what you think about MJ, but I will have to say that is a, a, a showing of appreciation. Once again, that was decentering himself and allowing them to have the limelight. Yeah. I, I think that's so key is appreciating, but make sure you understand the history. Make sure you're learning. You love sneakers. Understand what the sneaker culture actually means to black people. And like understand like how covenant those sneakers are. Like literally people will kill each other over those sneakers. You know, it's not just a sneaker. It's so much more. It's a representation. It's a symbol, you know, or think of like if you love rap music, well, how did rap music originate? You know, it's literally like poetry, you know? And that, that's so key that you say that is to, you can 
if you're like, oh, this is really cool. This isn't like inspiring me. And this isn't from my culture. Like, let, let me learn more about it. I think Mm -hmm. that's, that's key. And I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah. It's like learn and invite them in, you know, like, especially if you have a platform, like any type of company or anything like that, bring others in, you know, don't just, you know, say I learned this and share it, Mm -hmm. bring that BIPOC person in on, on on the opportunity. So you can allow them to speak from their narrative. And I like what you said about the sneaker culture, our joy and our talent, um, especially in America, is so tied to our pain. Yeah. If you think about blues or jazz or rock and roll, um, you know, even sports, it's so tied to our pain. So it hurts when um, people don't take the time to educate, learn, or appreciate or promote, you know. Mm-hmm. how we would want to do for, you know, anyone else. And I think, you know, it's it's something really to look at because we're one of the few black Americans specifically. Mm-hmm. Culture is a culture that is um, repurposed and exploited around mm-hmm. the world. Yeah. And everyone loves it. But we're one of the very few cu- cultures that hasn't been allowed that ability to, um, I think, perfect example of it. When people were wearing certain indigenous head gar- gear and garbs, they mm-hmm. were getting canceled. They were told not to do it. Yeah. Um, with black culture, that doesn't happen a lot. Happen a lot because there's no written word. There's no mm-hmm. specific. Like we're so so dispersed, right. you know. So it's like you know. So it's it's interesting. And and to bring up that point, like white people literally make so much money off of black culture. Absolutely. And 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 black Americans don't get to get that money that they're that's literally their culture. Yeah. And I think I watch a lot of like the sports shows. And how talking about how, you know, majority of NBA players are black, but how many own how many own them? How many own the team? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. How many black owners are there? None. Exactly. And and you people or will MJ for and, the Exactly. And it. people will go like, oh, well, they're just not buying. No. no. It's systemic. Yeah. We didn't have majority of you have had families, own teams, your dad, your mom. And it's like it's very different. People go, Well, I am immigrated, my family. It's a very different situation. And I think a part of that means people, white people that have power, saying, you know what, let me give 5% of this to this type of family. Let me invest back into this community. Let me say anybody that graduates with, you know, whatever, you're going to get this percentage of this company. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's... I know it's 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 crazy to like you know the way I forget when but like when I what is it David Sterling or whatever mm-hmm. his name like when you know he was the owner of the Clippers but he became out super racist it's just like things like that you know it's 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 crazy and how I feel like he really looked at it as like he was an owner like you know mm-hmm. not as like I own the team but like mm-hmm. I own the players you mm-hmm. know and that's just crazy you know like, yeah yeah. You I know. know. I, I feel like we, we could literally dissect so many different <laughs> things, you know? Yeah. Um. No, totally. And I think just to kind of wrap it up, do you have like any – or just like whether it's like podcasts or books or shows that you think like people can like continue to like maybe learn or educate or just any takeaways like just to kind of wrap up? I think my biggest takeaway is if you want to be an ally and accomplice and the black people that – work for you, work around you or work with you. Um you don't know them. 
or if someone was to ask them if they believed you were an accomplice and mm-hmm. an ally and they would say no, you need to start there. And I think it's, I'll be real, I don't care how much you donate to Black Lives Matter and all these different things. Yes, keep doing the good mm-hmm. work. But if you if it's not reflected in the people you're around every day, that's not real allyship. So um, my ask would be, uh, there's a movie on HBO uh, Max, I believe it's called Something the Brutes. I can't remember it. I'll have mm-hmm. to get it. You'll have to tag yeah, yeah. it. Um, I'll, put it, I'll put all like the links in the Oh, yeah, yeah. The okay, we'll put the link in the, mm-hmm. in the description. And it talks about how we've been colonized mm-hmm. and through brute force. Um, I think that gives understanding. But my biggest thing to do, I think my biggest takeaway is treat others how you'd want to be treated. And mm-hmm. with that same love and that same grace and start with yourself and who you're around every day. Yeah. yeah and I think going back to like the, the work thing, I remember specifically like one time I was work and like something just like not – it was like not fair mm-hmm. happened and I was so pissed. I was like, this is not fair. Like mm-hmm. how do you do this? And then I, I took a step back and I was like, Abby, think about how that probably goes on every single day for black people. <laughs> yeah. I was, and I was so pissed and I was like, damn, mm-hmm. if I'm fired up about this one thing, I can't even fathom, you know? Um, and I think for me, like as, um, you know, obviously as a white woman and I'm just kind of, you know, trying to learn as much as possible, what, um, I loved at Santa Clara, I took a religion class and we read the autobiography of Malcolm X. And that Ooh, was so good. Yes. Such a rewarding, um, such a rewarding book because I feel like, again, in history, we're taught like Martin Luther King is great, but Malcolm X is not good. And the Black mm. Panthers are like the violent ones. But then you learn about his story uh-huh. and you're like, wow, that everything we learned in high school and was so wrong, you know? Again, we could do a whole podcast episode on the history. You know me, I taught. love me some Malcolm X. Yeah, you know? Um, but that was really honestly out of my whole time at Santa Clara, one of the most yeah. rewarding moments. Um, and then I love movies. So like Queen and Slim was so good. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that one. Um, obviously Just Mercy. Mm-hmm. But I think reading books and like you said, just like just talking to people about it, you know, and, and showing up for people when you can in the workplace. So. Yeah. Understanding people's experiences and of course history. I love Abby with the, yes, how we paint I the whole narrative, non violence principles. And those are beautiful, mm-hmm. but it's like, because Malcolm X was direct and yeah. he made you more uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you wanted to change the narrative. No, I honestly, Ooh. Malcolm X is so fascinating to me. Like I watched some of his interviews when he was at Berkeley. Yeah. And I just loved him because he would flat out say he he doesn't like white people. He would be like, white people don't want us to succeed. Like just flat out said it. Whereas I feel like Dr. King was much more like poetic about and things. Eloquent. And yeah, yeah. Malcolm X was just like, I hate white people. And mm-hmm. because of X, Y, and Z, and I was like, respect, I can't blame you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and his whole idea about it was really interesting about like, this is me geeking out on No, sorry, geek out. About, um, he believed in separation, Asian. but not segregation. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really interesting. And the differences between them, because I think what a lot of people, I won't go into this, but what a lot of people, and you probably know about this, don't understand is black people had started creating community in their own mm-hmm. businesses and their own like financial stru- structures. Um, so when, although segregation has, you know, benefits to it, but what it did do is take away from mm-hmm. those black-owned businesses, yeah, um, and um, building up those structures. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, and like this, the difference, like you said, is like segregation is forced separation. Uh-huh. They were just like, 
we're building our own communities. We don't yep. need white people. Yeah. You know, um, no, totally. And the whole like nation of Islam, Islam. and, and, um, it's just super fascinating. So I highly recommend that book, especially if you're a history lover, you'll love um, that book. And, um, one thing, and then we'll wrap it up. He actually wrote, it's a, it goes by very fast, that book, because he wrote it in a, a state of urgency because he knew his life was going to end yeah. soon, which was crazy to, you can like very tell in this, the book that he knew he had to like wrap this up. That's one of my dad's favorite books. Like, yeah. We went through it together. So, so I love good. that you brought that up. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Just, yeah. But um, honestly, Kenya, like seriously, I, I feel like this was a privilege for me because I got to learn so much from you and I got to like educate myself even more and like talk about, just these really real issues. So I like cannot thank you enough for coming on my podcast and talking about this stuff with me. Oh, it was a pleasure to be here and I'm always enlightened and excited to be around you. So the pleasure, the privilege is mutual. Oh. Well, I'll uh, put uh, Kenya's Instagram and everything in the description. So definitely follow her because she is such a bright light, like obsessed with her. So, <laughs> but thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Like I said, I love this podcast episode so much, and I hope you guys did as well. I learned a bunch. Um, and if you enjoyed it, I really would appreciate if you would subscribe to my podcast, uh, leave five stars, and if you have a minute, just to leave a little review. It really helps with the algorithm and just helps, you know, with the ratings for my podcast. Um, so much work goes into it that you guys don't even get to see just behind the scenes. So trust me, like, I read every single review and I'm always tracking, you know, the stats and stuff. So it really does make my day when I see a new review. Um, but yeah, so definitely follow my Instagram page at Real Talk with Abby to hear more snippets of next podcast episodes and always feel free to drop, you know, some juicy questions for my next episode that you want to ask. Thanks, guys. Bye.